voice of the world The sound with the beat The sound that sets you tapping your feet Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure The sound of the news, rhythm and blues Tchaikovsky swing, whatever you choose Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure Welcome to All Things Radio, your weekly radio magazine, with radio news from a national perspective, call and format changes, sports news, featured radio stations from yesterday and today, your voicemails and phone calls, as well as special guests and featured segments. And now here's your host, Bill Sparks. Educate, syncopate, radio communicate, radio Hello and good evening and welcome from sunny southwest Florida where we've had record heat today. I think it's raining back in Indy, so who knows. But anyway, this is our anniversary week. Jeff and I kind of stumbled into this about, what has it been, 14 years ago on March the 19th. That ties in with my surgery, so I kind of remember those two dates together but anyway we started what 14 years ago jeff yeah and it all started on an audio chat on on the computer and we we talk about radio and and you said to me i said why don't why don't you how about a podcast i said why not you know i it sounded pretty good back then, and it certainly is as good then as it was as it is now. Well, I don't know about sounded pretty good back then, but we we cobbled it together, didn't we? Remember back then you did your All Things Radio News live. I did it live, and uh, I wasn't so good that way. But we, but we, you know, I got to got I I taught myself how to edit, and I taught myself how to produce, and. And I guess it uh, one thing led to another, and we we've had people like uh, your, of course yourself and Jennifer and Walt Kramer and Johnny Holiday and Bon Don Coco, and uh, a whole bunch of people. Um, you know, we have to thank uh, Mike Loff and Doug Hunziger and um, a lot of people over the years. We yeah. we've been downloaded in fifty different countries now, so we are very thankful. So you've got a busy show ahead of us. So well, I can yeah, go to do. sleep for what? Well, we start things off with our radio news from a national perspective, and we follow it up with Jennifer Sparks' call letter and format changes. We have a feature that we're going to continue our look at British radio announcers who worked in the United States with uh, uh, Ken Douglas. It's an interview with Ken Douglas who worked at radio station 1080 WKLO in Louisville, Kentucky. And we have a little sports feature that we did a few years ago back in 2017, and it's Bill Mazur on WNBC AM in New York City. Our classic air check takes us uh, to Detroit, Michigan, and to New York City as well. We get to hear the late Bill winners who worked at radio station CKLW, and I believe it was, I uh, forgot the, air, the date of it, and we have WCBS-FM from 1975. Both radio stations so sadly passed away of pneumonia the same year that that air check was done, but he was quite good at, at both radio stations. And our featured station is two samples of radio stations from Sirius Satellite Radio. I love all, all kinds of music, and one thing I do love is soul and beach music. And we get to hear Carolina Shag from Sirius XM, and they call it a classic rock hits from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they call it the Rock Wall. So we get to hear both of those channels as well. So all in all, we have a very busy program, and we'll try to make it nice and easy so that uh, 
People who want to watch, I think, NCAA basketball is on tonight as well, can do that as well. So it's March Madness. We had it last week in Albany, New York, and it was well-received here in the Capital District. But now, before we ask Bernie, what's going on in Indy Radio? I think we can make that 30 seconds or less. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. There you go. You, you just said yeah. nothing, nothing. That's <laughs> called brevity. It's, it's like right. it's Bernie. It's less, like less Alba, it's like it's like Albany, New York. What's going on on Albany yeah. Radio? Nothing. That's nothing? why I said we could oh. do it in thirty seconds or less. That well, thing's cool. I will do my job. Right. <laughs> but we'll go over the ratings in the next week and what's going on, and we see that. Bernie's B1057 is right up at the top, tied for number one with a classic. Yeah, it's all those, uh, those weekend shifts I do. That must all be Right, that must be Bernie. <laughs> yeah, both, both B1057 and WJJK uh, are tied for the top at, at a 9.2 share of the audience, and that's pretty good. And because all, all the other stations are below at a 5-point-something share of the audience, so that's pretty darn good. Is... 104.5, are they more live than B1057, or are they just voice tracked? I just, don't know. I think know. they're voice tracked quite a bit of the time. You um, do? I think they might be live in the morning, and possibly in the afternoon, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, I know Laura Steele, who's on a night. I, I know she's voice tracked. Yeah, she's voice tracked. You know, one and week... I don't even know if they have people on on weekends. I don't know. It's becoming more and more popular, or more and more uh, uh, what's happening more and more, Bernie, is that a lot of radio stations seem to take off their announcers. used to be uh, after midnight, but now at like 7 o'clock at night, there may not be a radio announcer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And weekends, forget about radio announcers on the weekends. You know, in the future, I've got a radio. My son's coming in, and he's going to help me work on this radio. And so we're going to be featuring a radio in a week or two, but... We're going to f- talk in future weeks about a station which I think could go up towards the top in indie radio, and I don't know why nobody's really done it yet, and that's WTTS at 92.3. What a signal they throw in. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they were grandfathered in, and it, it definitely shows. I mean, you can get that station in the southern part of the state, the eastern part of the I mean, that station, wow. Yeah. You know, but they've never changed their mission for, what, 20, 30 years? They've been pretty much what they are. Yeah, they went through several changes before that, but you're right. Right now they're at uh, a format that they seem to be pretty happy to stay with. And you know what, Bernie? A lot of stations do that. And and, and one thing they must have is obviously if, if it's, they certainly aren't number one in the ratings, but they may have a very no. good sales department and they're able to sell it. And that's even more important than you think, than you might might realize. But it's a good right. And a lot of times they don't even buy the book, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, they've been buying the book lately. So we'll yeah. see and I'll tell you more about that. But one of my friends I used to know, Crystal... Well, she's been by McKenzie Parker, whatever yeah, she's going. Yeah. You know Crystal, don't you? Yeah, she's on there now. Yeah, she's on there. Yeah. And she was it's on. It's a small K- world in radio. Yeah, it's a small world. That is yeah. true. Speaking of small world, 
we're going to combine Jeff's award-winning news with Jennifer's award-winning call letter and format changes. And she said the stations are starting to come back. So you'll get to hear it. So they'll both be just so we can save a little time tonight. We're going to play them both oh, together. Oh, we've got to save time for people to watch Oh yeah, NCAA. You're... Now, that, now that the Indiana teams are out. Yeah, that is kind of bad, isn't it? Here we go. So, yeah, go ahead. So before we do that, before we do that, I, I had a comment about all the stations that we that we talk about when, when Jeff uh, kind of puts them out there for us to hear. So many stations now run sweepers. That's all they do. They run sweepers. You got it. Yeah. You know, Oh, they yeah. in uh, Colorado last week. I mean, I heard one of their sweepers, and I thought about it all week. I thought it was kind of a funny sweeper, but once you've heard it, yeah. you've heard it. That's right. <laughs> it's like the guy goes, you can't call him a cowboy until you see him ride. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I think what, what happened, you know, we talked about the AI thing, and I'm like, that's not really that much different for all no. these sweepers. That's all it is. It's just well, you know what's mind. really sad. Remember when you would have on ball games, for example, and there you, you let's say the beer commercials in the old days. We had some great commercials for Narragansett, and they were done by Nichols and May, and they didn't uh, do just two or three. They did about fifteen of them, and they'd be rotated oh, yeah. in and out. Now yeah. you're lucky if you get uh, one commercial for a product, and that's all you hear for month after month after month, all the way through. Yep. And, yeah, and, exactly and you know what right. you don't hear on commercials anymore. I know we got to get to the radio news, guys, but if you, no, don't. you don't, you don't hear jingles anymore in a lot of commercials. I mean, the creative. No. Jing- if you go to overseas, I listen to a lot of British radio, and I listen to a lot of British, or watch a lot of British television. You hear jingles and you hear singing on on, on a lot more commercials over there than you do here. So it is definitely a different. It, it, it you get a totally different perspective of what radio is like and what TV is like overseas. And, That's and, why I uh, enjoy our air checks when we hear like the beer and the cigarette commercials and stuff because there's nice songs. Yeah. I remember those songs and they're fun, you know. Well, I do too. Just remember, oh. you can take the country out of Salem, but you can't. Th- you oh, can't take, take the Salem, Salem out of the out country of the, here. That, or you know, Winston tastes good like a cigarette. Whatever it is, <laughs> like, uh, like Winston tastes good like a cigarette's good, but even though it's bad grammar, right. I mean, I we, get, we get it. Fred and Frank doing Fall City beer commercials. Those oh. are hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I remember Dooley and something doing Utica Club for years you know, when I lived out in central New York. And, again, those... Well, the, 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 fun thing, the fun thing about jingles is the donut thing where you have to put your words in between the jingle. And uh, I've, I've had to do that on several times, you know, different <laughs> uh, over the years. And, they, you know, they're donuts, and so you talk in the middle of that donut and most of the time it was okay, but sometimes they gave way you too much too to say. Much. Sometimes, right? And other <laughs> times there wasn't enough, <laughs> so you <laughs> had to sing along. You know, what else could you do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, those were those are fun challenges. Well, that's mm-hmm. certainly true. All right, Bill, over to you. 
I'm done, Bill. I'm Jeff Bennett for All Things Radio, and this is what's happening in the world of broadcasting. Odyssey reports their fourth quarter revenue results. There's belt tightening at iHeartMedia. We'll let you know what's happening on the street and begin our look at the Nielsen February Personal People Meter Ratings. It was yet another busy week this week in the world of broadcasting, with Odyssey and iHeartMedia making news. In the case of Odyssey, Odyssey reported their fourth quarter revenue results, and they're not pretty. So how did Odyssey really do? Odyssey revenue fell 0.8% to $342 million. And if we exclude political advertising, Odyssey's revenue would have been down 4%. Another disappointing look into their earnings was their digital revenue, which was only up 2%. Another big problem with Odyssey is their stock price. If you'd like to buy Odyssey stock, it's now worth about $0.09 cents a share. Odyssey is doing what it can to raise revenue. They've sold radio station KQPS-FM in Palm Springs, California, and they've sold six of their radio tower sites that we talked about last week. No doubt Odyssey will continue making news on the revenue front. We'll let you know more about that when it occurs. iHeartMedia is also being affected by the economic crisis in this country. They've implemented some belt-tightening plans. iHeartMedia CEO Bob Pittman and CFO Rich Bresler have implemented some cost-cutting plans. They will temporarily suspend their match of 401k plans for iHeartMedia employees. They're also cutting back any discretionary spending, and they're also cutting back on overtime expenses as well. In their memo, they did not indicate that there would be any layoffs, but I expect that there probably will be, and we'll let you know more about this in a future All Things Radio live broadcast. Now let's take a quick look and find out what's happening on the street. They say syndication is where the money is, and that's what Red Apple is doing at radio station WABC AM in New York City. Many of their talk radio shows are syndicated throughout the week. Now they've added a new syndicated radio show, Sunday with Sinatra, hosted by Joe Piscopo. If you run a pirate radio station, it's going to be very, very expensive for you if you get caught by the FCC with the new Radio Piracy Act. The FCC has implemented two notices of apparent liability to two pirate operators in the New York City area. Kesa Aora and Luis Angel of Queens, New York, have been issued the maximum fine for running a pirate radio station of over $2,300,000. They have been operating a pirate radio station called Radio Impacto 2 on the frequency of 91.9. Thomas Barnes has also been impacted by the Pirate Radio Act. He has been issued a fine of $80,000 for operating a pirate station in eastern Oregon on the frequency of 92.3 and then moving the frequency to 100.5. The FCC issued numerous warnings to Mr. Barnes. However, they were ignored. Say so long to the hot and contemporary music that was heard on radio station WTARAM and its FM translators in Norfolk, Virginia. The adult contemporary music has been replaced by alternative rock. The station is now calling themselves the coast. They say consolidation is everything and here's how it all plays out for iHeartMedia. Congratulations go out to Greg Chance, who's the Senior Vice President of Programming for iHeartMedia in the following radio markets. Des Moines, Iowa, St. Louis, Missouri, Indianapolis, Indiana, and North Dakota. In the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, Alpha Media is consolidating its morning and afternoon shows on their suburban radio stations. The big station affected here is radio station WXLC-FM, licensed to Waukegan, Illinois. The station is now known as Star 102.3, which matches the same brands used at their radio stations in Joliet, Illinois, and Crystal Lake, Illinois. In other news, Billy the Kid has reported his afternoon drive position at radio station KHKS-FM in Dallas, Texas. He had been with the radio station for 19 years. He also worked at radio station WHCZ-FM Z100 in New York City. Billy the Kid will continue working at iHeartMedia, but we don't know what role he'll take for the company at this time. Congratulations go out to Dave Ryan, who will continue doing mornings at radio station KDWB-FM in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In June, he'll celebrate 30 years with the radio station, and he signed a new multi-year contract to continue doing the morning show at the radio station as well. And as I said earlier, syndication is everything. Congratulations go out to Zach Sang, whose show is syndicated by Premier Radio. Well, not only is it syndicated here in the United States, but it will also be syndicated internationally as well. Now it's time to begin our look at the Nielsen February Personal People Meter Ratings. In New York City, the number one ranked radio station is WLTWFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is WCBS-FM with a classic 
its format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in New York City is WAXQFM with a classic rock format. In Los Angeles, California, the number one ranked radio station is KOSTFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is KRTHFM with a classic its format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Los Angeles, California is KTWVFM with a rhythmic adult contemporary format. In Chicago, Illinois, the number one ranked radio station is WLITFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is WDRVFM with a classic rock format. And the number three ranked radio station in Chicago, Illinois is WXRTFM with an adult album alternative rock format. In San Francisco, California, the number one ranked radio station is KOITFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station also programming an adult contemporary format is KISQFM. Finally, the number three ranked radio station in San Francisco, California is KCBS AM with its all news operation. In Dallas, Texas, the number one ranked radio station is KTCKFM with its all sports format. The number two ranked radio station is KHKSFM with a top 40 format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Dallas, Texas is KZPSFM with a classic rock format. In Houston, Texas, the number one ranked radio station is KODAFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is KGLKFM with a classic rock format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Houston, Texas is KKHHFM with an adult hits format. In Atlanta, Georgia, the number one ranked radio station is WSRVFM with a classic its format. The number two ranked radio station is WAMJFM with an urban adult contemporary format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Atlanta, Georgia is WSBAM with a news talk format. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the number one ranked radio station is WDASFM with an urban adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is WMGKFM with a classic rock format. Finally, the number three rock radio station in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is WMMR-FM with a rock format. Out on Long Island, the number one rock radio station is WAXQ-FM with a classic rock format. The number two rock radio station is WHTZ-FM with a pop CHR format. Finally, the number three rock radio station out on the island is WBAB-FM with a classic rock format. In Riverside, California, the number one rock radio station is KOLA-FM with a classic its format. The number two rock radio station is KSGN-FM with a hot and local contemporary format. Finally, the number three rec radio station in Riverside, California is KFRG-FM with a country format. In San Jose, California, the number one rec radio station is KOIT-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rec radio station is KCBS-AM with its all-news operation. Finally, the number three rec radio station in San Jose, California is KEZR-FM with a news talk format. Finally, out of New Jersey, and that encompasses the counties of Middlesex, Somerset, and Union, the number one rec radio station is WMGQ-FM FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two rank radio station is WKXWFM with a talk format. And finally, the number three rank radio station is WLTWFM with an adult contemporary format. Next week, we'll continue our look at the Nielsen February personal people meter ratings. Finally, according to those media monitors, here are the top commercials you heard on the radio this past week. Number one is Progressive Insurance, followed by Upside, Babel, ZipRecruiter, and Swiffer. If you have any comments concerning this portion of the podcast, there are many ways you can get in touch with me. First of all, you can send me an email. My email address is Jeff. That's J-E-F-F Jeff at allthingsradio.net. Or you can send me a voicemail with our feedback line. The phone number is 800-693-0595. That's 800-693-0595 and hit option two for the podcast team. For All Things Radio, I'm Jeff Bennett. Hello everyone, I'm Jennifer Sparks and here are your call letter and format changes for the week of March 23rd. 
third, KVYL FM 93.7, Mojave Valley, Arizona, changes calls to KXWX FM, WUSO FM 89.1, Springfield, Ohio, changes format from adult alternative to classical, WNMA AM 1210, Miami Springs, Florida, changes slogan from 1210 The Man to Oasis, WSQR AM 1180, Sycamore, Illinois, changes slogan from the Squirrel FM 92.9 AM 1180 to Q93, KBJD AM 1650, Denver, Colorado, changes slogan from Radio Lose to Radio Lared, KNUS. S-A-M-710, Denver, Colorado, changes slogan from 710-K-N-U-S to News Talk 710-K-N-U-S. K-X-E-T-A-M-1520, Oregon City, Oregon, changes calls to K-G-D-D-A-M. K-Q-Q-Y-F-M, 90.1, Indian Springs, Nevada, changes calls Calls to KJPT FM, KGDDAM 1150, Portland, Oregon. Changes calls to KXETAM, KUTU FM 91.3, Santa Clara, Utah. Changes slogan from Radio Dixie 91.3 to Utah Tech Radio. And those are your call letter and format changes for this week. For All Things Radio, I'm Jennifer Sparks, wishing all of you a very good week. Thank you, Jenny and Jeff. Oh, no problem, Bill. And uh, you're right, Jennifer Stark Sparks is getting a little bit longer, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens in the uh, format range here. And I, I was going to say Odyssey makes news, but I'm not sure that that's really news. I want to see. I'm going to buy the stock when it gets down to about two cents a share. That's what I'm going to do. I swear to God mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. 10,000 yeah. shares at two cents a share? Not yeah. That. But even if it goes up a few bucks, I'll still make some good money. What are you yeah. smoking, Jeff? What are you smoking? <laughs> God, no kidding. Yeah, are you smoking? It's not going to build up. Well, Boy. let me ask you a question. If it did go up to like $20 a share, Bernie, would you, would you say the same thing to me at that point if I bought it at two cents a share? I don't think you would. No, if you bought it at two cents and went up to $20, you'd be doing very well. He I'd wouldn't be, doing... be talking to us anymore is what would happen. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Chris, Chris who? Bernie who? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. Harry, you had a little news on the Yankees, I guess, yes, right? Yes, just real quick, a little piece of news on the New York Yankees that came out late. Otherwise, Jeff would have had it. But Justin Shackle is going to be their pregame host. He'll also do about 30 games filling in for John Sterling this year. And uh, he is the replacement if, for people who remember Sweeney Murdy. He is Sweeney Murdy's replacement. So there you go. And I do have some other news. Wow. I don't always like talking about it, but uh, we'll talk about it next week. But the remember we talked about this about two weeks ago. There was a San Francisco radio announcer who was missing, and he was suffering from depression. And unfortunately, he did commit suicide. They found his body in the uh, San Francisco Bay. Uh, uh, this, uh, that just came out at about 5 o'clock before, the, uh, before we all got together on All Things Radio Live. Wow. Perry's got better news than you do. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he does. And, and, you know, Bernie, privately, we've talked about this, where we talked about a radio announcer who did this back in 1968, and I'm going to do a feature on him in the next few weeks. But uh, it always affects me, and I, I don't know why. Not necessarily with this guy, but with the other guy that I talked to you about, which is Pete Myers at WNEW. And we'll talk about yeah. that when we, do the, when we do the feature on him later on. Well, when you hear about something like that, you know, and you you heard them when they were, you know, supposedly in a good mood, you know, doing their show, and Mad Daddy was a crazy show, and and, uh, and just his regular DJ show, and radio connects, maybe just blind, not just blind people, with everybody, the voice on the radio is like a real connection, and, you know, you don't, you don't know, I mean, when, when people hear Bernie, they don't know he's blind, they don't know if he's tall or thin or fat or what he is, and, you know, it's... (laughs) <laughs> adorable well, they, they yeah. think he is but they're not sure and the thing is you know it's like you just you you make a connection it's it's a real personal connection with people and when 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 you hear that somebody like that did that it's just oh they were so they seem so happy you know but it, it, I mean, you a, don't really know what goes yeah. on in people's lives right no. you know that's the thing I mean, there was a radio announcer who in Syracuse who was killed in a car accident. She did a women's interview show, uh, and it was so popular. And, like, when she passed away, I, it wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't like that. I didn't really listen to the show. But there was so many people that they actually spent a week and, and doing, doing uh, tributes to her on, on radio and television because she did a show on the radio, and she did a show on television as well. And it, 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 well, it does make a difference. Believe me, you know, you realize yeah. it. I think it's it's a situation like you just you don't know how people are on the inside. And when I was, I remember going through my divorce back in uh, the early '90s, and I talked to my boss and I said, "If you notice anything that that's out of you know out of line or, or just that, that isn't me on the air, you got to tell me because I don't want that to happen. I didn't want anybody listening to know I was going through a divorce." I had the same thing when I was working for New York State, working on the help desk, and I said, look, uh, guys, I'm going through a lot of stuff here. Just let me know if I'm not performing up to par. And and yeah. I remember um, we would, they were going through another reorganization, and the guy that was my boss, and, and I said, you know, I just want to thank you because I was going through a lot of stuff. He says, we know it. I've been through it, and, and, your, and your immediate boss has been through it, and you were just as good and professional as you were on that help desk as any of the other, call, as the, any of the other people on the uh, on the." Work phones. can be an escape for for that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You, oh yeah, that's you put it. yourself yes. in a different zone, you know, and you're doing it was something. For me. Yeah, and that's been that way for me. And it was for me as well. But but I will tell you, it's, uh, radio is a funny business because you know, there are a lot of egos involved. And I'm not saying that everyone in radio, but you, I've met all kinds of people in radio. And Bernie, you have too. You met people who are really decent, and there are those people in radio who are just. I can't use the word I would like to say on the air here, but but I think you know what I mean, Bernie. So uh, it, it's a very funny business. <laughs> it's 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 a crazy business. It really is. It's like nothing else. I mean, I was thinking about this a uh, couple of weeks ago. Back in 1968, I was listening to a guy on the radio who showed up late for work. And why did he show up late for work? Because he got a flat tire. And I'm thinking, in any other business... The city would not know that this person was late for work because he got a flat tire. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. True. Well, that's it. And I and I shouldn't have killed my wife like that. That was really out of the line. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better you better be careful, Bernie. If I can take that back. You know. Mm-hmm. Statute has not run out yet. 
No, I know. <laughs> yeah. Indiana wants you, uh, Bernie. <laughs> yeah, just say goodbye. Just say hello to our Lucille. Just say hello to Ardine Taylor. You know. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Jeff. It's time for the feature with Ken Douglas. I did uh, John Quincy, who's a kind of a radio historian. See him a lot on Facebook, and he's really into Lexington. Of course, March Madness is driving my phone crazy here. But anyway, John Quincy um, is a Louisville and Lexington, especially Louisville radio historian. And there was a time back in about 65, 66, 64, when the British invasion was everything. And Ken Douglas was WKLO's answer for that. Well, he'll tell you how he got hired. It's an interesting story and had a lot of success at WKLO. That's when radio stations did work on AM. And Bernie, you may have heard of WKLO back. Oh, absolutely, because uh, Bill Hennis was a program director who worked there for a while, and uh, they right. they had a great few years of, of rock and roll radio. Oh yeah, it was quite good. And Johnny Randolph was there. A lot of people. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview with with Ken Douglas and he talks about being overseas and he was just hanging around and sometimes that's a way to get a job just keep hanging around sure just, absolutely. just keep doing it well you can listen right now all right, we're talking to Ken Douglas, who was a major part of WKLO's success, according to former program director Mitch Michael, in the mid-60s. As a matter of fact, Ken, here's what Terrell Buffini, alias uh, Mitch Michael, said. Uh, During my time at WKLO, two people provided the magic that made the station great. Bailey, Bill Bailey, and Ken, you. Oh, we had some great jocks, but Bailey and Ken were unique. High praise coming from a guy like a Mitch Michael. Well, I'd like to tell you that Mitch Michael did a lot for me for that rear I had in radio. I met up with him in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Actually, he asked me to come in and look around at station. We were having lunch one day, and uh, I went in. He showed me around, introduced me to the staff, the salespeople, the manager, and the DJ. A few weeks later, I had lunch with him, and he asked me if I would like to come and sit in with one of the DJs to uh, talk about London and what was going on in London in the way of fashion and music, and have a talk show as well as a great music show. So I did that for a couple of months. This was in uh, 65, court 1965. And uh, Jack Gallo was my partner, and he was from Memphis, Tennessee, if I remember. And he was a great guy. He helped me immensely in learning a lot about radio. Eventually, I obtained my own show, the Ken Douglas Show, working with Mitch, trying to come up with new ideas. And one of those was travel over to England, again, my old country, and interview some of the rock and roll groups there, which I did. After being uh, there for a number of months and running back and forth to London, I got my own show, of course. And uh, every night, 7 to 11, we would have wonderful listeners calling in asking for uh, 
music for different people across Louisville, Indiana, Tennessee, and I believe as far as Florida in some cases. It was a great period, a great time. We met up with a lot of different people for those few years that I was there. The people in Louisville, Kentucky were great. I had a great following. The uh, governor of the uh, state of Kentucky made me a Kentucky colonel. Also, the mayor presented me with the key of the city, which was wonderful. I was doing some work with children's hospitals there as well. And I was out and about around the city and making appearances for fashions, going to schools, talking to the students regarding music and fashion. And of course, along the way, one of the great things that happened for me, I ended up in 1966 doing the tour with the Beatles, which was the big thing that happened for Staten because the ratings were way up there and we were number one. There was a lot of other states in that city. I think there were two other top 40. The rest were country music and middle of the road. So we did very well for that time when I was traveling. And I had interviews with the Beatles, which was on the air all the time. And uh, we would have contests where we would call in and answer questions. And they would win a photograph of the Beatles with me, but he would send out. So we really had a wonderful few years there. Some of the disc jockeys that were in that station at the time, Chuck Browning was one. Reed Yaden was the newsman. We also had, of course, Mick Michael, who was the program director, and many others that came and went. But some of them are still around. I believe. One of the great ones with me, of course, was Bill Bailey. Bill Bailey and I, we got along great together. He had his show, of course, and uh, I had mine. A few different things all together, but he was very well liked in the Louisville area. The ending of 1964, I came over to the States. I traveled from New York out to Louisville. I had to visit friends. So while I was there, I met up with a gentleman that had a beautiful men's clothing store. Believe it or not, I got a job there for a while. And while I was there, across the street from me was WKLO radio station. And I used to go into a little restaurant there. And I happened to talk to Mick Michael one day when he was in there and uh, became friendly with him. And the next thing I knew, I was in the station having a look around, visiting different people. And then eventually he asked me if I was interested in coming in and checking out the station and meeting the people to see if I would like to work there part-time, which uh, I did. And uh, then it was full-time and then on things got really wonderful. And the show that I had was very successful. The great thing was being able to go out and meet people in the city of Louisville. Many of the young people at school, so I used to go what they call then the dance hop and run the show. Coca-Cola Company at that time were sponsoring me. So there was a lot going on. I would go to uh, social meetings, uh, meet a lot of good people, and I got invited to Churchill Downs when Secretariat won the Great Race. So it really was quite an interesting time in my life. To everybody that's ever worked in radio or thinking about it, go ahead, do it. It's fun. It's very enjoyable. You learn a lot, and there's good people in the business. Ken, you've done some interesting things besides working in the uh, men's clothing business and working on the radio before you came to uh, Louisville. Could you briefly uh, tell us about some of the uh, occupations you might have had? In my early career, I was in athletics for some time. I was running track, playing soccer, and amateur boxing. Then I got a great opportunity. I uh, got an interview with Cunar Company to go on one of their cruise ships as an athletic instructor, which uh, I did. I did a world cruise, a Mediterranean cruise, and a Scandinavian cruise. And I was working to take care of the gymnasium and the swimming pool, which was a, a wonderful job on a cruise ship. And there were 600 crew on that ship. We used to carry about 1,000 passengers. At that time, I would organize a boxing team, soccer team, and we would go ashore in some of the big cities, and we would have a contest with the local boxing amateurs and uh, put on a show, not only for the citizens, but for the crews, uh, people on the ship that could come. And we would have soccer games with the local team. I traveled through the Pacific, many great countries, and from there, I was thinking about coming over to America. I used to talk about a lot of people, learn a lot of people, and when I was in New York on the cruise ship, I used to go and visit France there in Forest Hills, and I really wanted to tour America, the inner of America, and learn a lot about it. 
find out if I would like it. Well, I did do that. I came over, did a quick tour, went back home, decided I wanted to go, and that's where I went back to America, and then eventually I got involved in Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where I kicked that off. Let's talk about your music knowledge before you came to uh, the WKLO. You became quite famous for not only knowing about what was going on with London uh, mm-hmm. culture and fashions and things, but uh, also the musical groups. How plugged in were you to that uh, when you came to WKLO? Were you just uh, a, a casual listener, or did you actually have uh, friends and associates in the music industry? Yeah, I did. I had a great friend in London. His name was Dennis Ackerman. He was a clarinet player. It was great. And I used to go to love the jazz club and see him perform with his band. I also was into a lot of music. Late 50s, early 60s, a lot of jazz was very hot then. And then, of course, rock and roll came along with Bill Haley and all those guys. We used to be traveling from London and different areas of the country or over to Europe and always follow the music, especially when I joined the Cunard Cruise Line. A lot of the young crew were into the latest music. We always used to like, go to New York and listen to some of the bands at Birdland and other places. And, of course, most of these diners then were big time and they had all these jukeboxes. And I remember going to the Paramount and seeing Tony Bennett at that time. So, yes, we were into music a lot and I loved it. And, of course, we, we then started to get groups in England which were coming along strong. I mean, the Stone came on in early time. They part five, Herman's Hermits, the Animals, Eric Bird, all those guys were coming along then and then they eventually hit big time. Did you know those guys personally before they did hit the big time? No, most of the people I got to meet were when I hit the radio and went back to England. Then I got to meet them. I got to uh, interview them. Dave Clark was one of them. You know, the faces. I had a friend at the Beats office. Tony Barrow was the publicity manager. I got to meet, see him and have lunch with him. And he took me over to the Beatles office where eventually, a few days later, I met up with Brian Epstein. And he was very interested in what I had to say about them coming over to America. And that if they came, he would arrange to pick me up on the tour, which he eventually did, of course. The Beatles, believe it or not, I was in Hamburg when they were at a club there. I was with four Liverpool boys that knew about them and went to see them and I went along. Tony Sheridan was the guy, was the lead singer. The Beatles were actually, at that time, background music. And then, of course, after Lee Germany coming back to England. Uh, matter of fact, in Liverpool, a lot of people thought they were a German band in the beginning. Once they saw them and met them, they knew they were Liverpool boys. That was when they had that with them. Did you get a chance to uh, have a relationship with the Beatles? I know you interviewed them, as a matter of fact. Somebody yeah. told me about uh, some of your interviews were released as uh, records, possibly bootleg records. I don't know whether that's true or not, but the thing is, I do know that, yeah, I got to know the Beatles really well. They were great guys. I met up with them in Chicago when the tour started. I was with them every day. I was with them in the hotels. I was with them on plane trips, on the bus trips. Very often I would talk Paul or Ringo or George or John, sit next to them and have a chat or go backstage, sit with them before the show started. And because they knew I'd worked on the ship that you were going out of Liverpool, they, you know, they really took to me because they knew I'd been to Liverpool. And in England, they call it the Merchant Navy. They apparently had relatives or whatever been in that business. It was kind of nice being able to relate with them so easily. How different were they in private, you know, one-on-one, oh, just hanging oh. around them compared with what we saw on TV or heard on interviews? Oh, they were great. Very low-key, but always had a great sense of humor. They really were very sociable. I know that it was very difficult for them to go outside their premises, you know. They couldn't. They were indoors most of the time. And if they did go, I remember, I think it was Chicago or Memphis, they put me in another limo, and they put the boys... And 
in a flower van and I got in the other limo because I had long hair at the time and everybody used to think I was a fifth beetle. I had this long hair and I looked very similar to George Harrison in some way. So they put me in there and the limo would run out, out of the stadium and hundreds of kids would chase it where they would be going off in this flower van. Kids used to uh, try and get up to the floors where they were. Of course, it was all covered with purity. But I remember at one time some girl came up in the elevator in a big box. But when they got to the floor, the thing fell apart. So they got her out of there. It was all kind of crazy. I saw one person in Memphis. It showed there jump from one of the balconies. And luckily the security guard grabbed her to get her. But she was trying to get saved. And in Cleveland, we were in the middle of the show. And one girl ran out from the crowd, crossed the field. And the security guards were trying to get her. She was shooting in between them, got saved, and then fainted. But then all the other kids started to run. And we had to get the Beatles off stage into their trailer at the back. But Ringo was left up on the drum. He had to jump into security's hands to get it back into the trailer. So I don't know how they did it, but it's some DJ at work in Cleveland got up on stage said, if you all go back, the Beats will come out and finish the show. If you don't, it's going to be closed down now. After a few times of that on the a microphone yelling at them, they eventually all went back. And I'll never forget it because the Beatles came out, jumped up on stage, and the first number they did was, we got to take it to ride, which cracked the time. So those are some of the things I do remember. We've talked about the Fab Four. Now let's talk about the pre-Fab Four, as they're called, the uh, Monkees. You became quite close with one of the Monkees, Davy Jones. Well, you know, David was in London doing the show Oliver. When he was quite young, I think he was 14, he was an apprentice jockey, taking horses out in early in the morning and running them around the track, getting them ready for the races. And while he was there, there was some producer had a horse there that David would take care of. And he told him that he should go and get an audition for the show Oliver. He'd probably do very well in it, which he did. He went into London and got this audition, and he ended up playing the Apple Dodger and Oliver. And from there, he came over to New York and did it on Broadway. Well, I had met him in London, and then when he came over here, he luckily got an audition for this group. Uh, the monks, actually, they were looking for him. And because he was uh, like a good-looking young guy, and he was more on, he had a lot of personality, which he does, and he's quite a good athlete, he's a great soccer player. He got chosen. I had met him before, and then he came to Louisville and um, called me up and came to the radio station. We kept in contact all the time. When I got married, I came out to California to live. I stayed at his home for about eight weeks because he's going to Japan and Australia. Uh, it was sort of my honeymoon there. And we've been friends ever since. He came from California to Louisville to be my best man at my wedding. It was great. And the whole young generation met him at the airport. And it was a difficult time for some of us to get out of the house, you know. But it all worked out fine. We had a police escort to, to church on time. Now, what year was that that you got married? I got married in C9. Once, yeah. Were you still at WKLO at the time? I was, yeah. In California, I had a few friends that I knew. And uh, I got involved with a gentleman that was just going to open a brand new men's clothing store, which was very hip store. We became quite friends, and I went to help him out and finished up staying with for some time. Now, you married a uh, girl from the Louisville area, did you? I did. Actually, she was born in Louisville, but grew up in New Albany, Indiana. And she was quite talented, too. Matter of fact, she's still there working in theater. When she was younger, she was a model, and then got into the acting field. And the wonderful thing is that my daughter, I have a daughter named Heather, she went into theater, but she's done very well. And right now, she's doing the choreography for herself. Going back to your radio career, you also worked for a couple of other radio stations besides WKLO in Louisville. Yes, I did. I worked for WINN, which was sort of middle of the road. But I wasn't there long. I was there about maybe a year. And then I got offered to sit with WAKY, which was the other top of state. You know, it's been so long now, I can't remember the guys that were there that I was working with. Do you remember but, what shifts you were working? Yes, it was mainly night shifts between 7 and 11. Sometimes we would sit in for other people or whatever. You know how that goes with a shorthanded or whatever. Now, you left Louisville, I guess, around 1970 and went to California. Right. Did you ever have any desire to get back into radio? Well, in California. 
California was a little different. Things had changed in the laws and the rulings. I wasn't an American citizen, so it was rather difficult trying to get a position out here. I did get offered one shot that was in San Diego, but I got tied up here in L.A. with uh, David Jones, and then I eventually took the job on which I told you about in the clothing business. So I passed on it, you know. I never went looking for a radio job after that. So you've been in the clothing business pretty much since uh, yeah, 1970? Yeah, yeah. And you live in Marina Del Rey, California now. Right, and it's very nice here. Of course, the marina is a lovely place. You know, Los Angeles is quite a city, you know. Um, there's a lot going on, what with music and fashion and celebrities and the movies, all this. We are up at the high-end area. We do deal with studios and a lot of celebrities. So people in these areas, such as Malibu, uh, Brentwood, Westwood, there's a lot of money people in those areas. So we do very good business. Now I want to ask you about uh, making the transition from the clothing business, which I could imagine is not that exciting when you were working in Louisville in the mid-60s, uh, to going to work for a uh, number one radio station or soon-to-be number one radio station, WKLO, I can imagine that uh, there was a little difference in, in what you were doing. Well, there was, you know. This friend actually got me set up with a job. Actually, it was fun for me then. I wasn't attending on staying in it there at that time. I was going to move on across America because I hadn't seen it all yet. Once I met up with Miss Michael and met him a few times and then met the general manager and the sales reps in that station, they were all sort of uh, excited for their Satan as well as for me. And I got along with everybody. I never had a problem that way. Mitch was very good. He got me working with him and then with Jack Gallo. And it was a great time to be in radio then. It really was. It was exciting. There was always something going on. There was always some new group. There was a lot of local groups that could come to the state. And then I used to have school shoots come to the state on certain days to talk and come on the air and I'd play a record for their school. Then I was getting into children's hospitals there. And I was out there with the community. Mind you, you know, we were all a little different there because we had long hair. We had more clothing. And a lot of people at first didn't really care people with long hair at that time. That really didn't bother me. Most people were great. I mean, I'd walk into a restaurant and before I knew it, someone would come up and ask for an autograph or the manager was very nice and always made sure I was okay. I mean, you had all those little extras going for you and the people in Louisville were always very nice. And I had, you'd get phone calls on the air. I used to hear from the hospital, the nurses want me to play music for them, the fire stations and all those things. So it was very nice. What was yeah. your favorite thing about working at WKLO? The favorite thing was just getting on the air and chatting to the people. It was a great rapport and we had some people with great sense of humor and the staff were great. Mostly everybody got along pretty good. The salesmen loved me because they were out there selling me and Bill Bailey. And Bill Bailey was a funny guy. Bill would really have you in stitches, you know, if you listen to him. And he had a great dry sense of humor as we say in it. And he was very quick on it, you know. Most things were when we would get the uh, group come by and come and sitting on the radio with me and talk. That was great. We'd always have fun there. Who was your uh, favorite group to work with? Well, I worked with quite a few. The Monkees were fun guys. They had a lot of fun. They were always playing, you know. I don't think they took themselves too serious, which was fine. And then, of course, the Beatles were great. When people ask me about the time, that, that period, and how they were, you know, when you think about it, where they came from in Liverpool, they didn't have a great education. They were very, very quick. I mean, Lennon was very brilliant. He had sort of like a sarcastic sense of humor, but he was very quick. When the press would ask something, he would come back real quick with an answer. Paul was really a great guy. And if someone said you what to think of the Beatles, I would say, well, you know, they were four young guys who carried their success very well, and they did. And here they are today, still up there, still out there, where many years ago, some of the top pruners said they won't be around in six months. And those guys had to eat their words because they'd end up singing their song when you think of yesterday's song. 
like that. But they proved that they could change with the times, which they did. You know, I did meet up with George about a year before he passed away. He was in the store I was working for, and he was buying something, and he saw me, and he kept looking at me. So eventually I went over, and I said, George, I must say hello to you. I don't know if you're going to remember. I'm Ken Douglas. I was with you on the tour of 66. You know, he gave me a big smile, and I said, you know, I thought I recognized you. I kept looking at you, so I had a nice little chat. And I met George's father a few years ago when he came to L.A. And Ringo, last year, I thumped to him, and he came into our store, which was Barbara Bach. And uh, the same thing happened. He kept checking me out, and he came over, and then I expected him who I was. And, you know, it was wonderful to get that handshake and the hug. You know, it was great. Looking back on all the things that you've done over your uh, years on this planet, how does the WKLO experience and those years in Louisville right up to the rest of your life? Oh, I think they were number one. It was a great time in my life. It was a great opportunity, and I got it. Thank God I got it at the time. Everyone was wonderful. I met great people there. Yeah, that's a great happening in my life. I never dreamed that I would be doing something which I'd never worked for. And it proves people that can take shot at something and do well, especially young people that are growing up and not too sure where they're going. It was very exciting years. It was a good time. There was a lot going on with music, fashion, and politics and the Vietnam War. Great, great period, really. There'll never be another one like it. And you know what? I don't think with all the music that's going on today, I don't think there will ever be music like there was in the 60s. There was so much going on, and there were so many young artists out there that had a lot of talent. Some of them lasted. Some only had one hit. You never heard of them yet. I mean, here we have the Rolling Stones out there. They're 60 performing still. You know, it's amazing. And people fill the stadiums to go and see. So they must have been doing something right. Well, there we go. Hope you enjoyed that. Very wow. interesting interview. Cool. Very interesting. That was cool. He should write it. If he didn't, he should write a book. Yeah. Should, there goes somebody with an opportunity, made the most of it for a while, got out of the field and moved on. But he really enjoyed that time in his life. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how he got to do all that on the Beatles tour. It's kind of like Jeff and his trip across the country. All those. <laughs> he happened to be at the right place at the right time. That's that's really what what, what it amounts to, Bill. Essentially. Well, that would be an interesting compilation if somebody could get a hold of. Some of them are no longer with us, but somebody could get a hold of the DJs that traveled with the tour because there were others that did it. Murray the K was with them, and different ones did it. And you know, they, they and Murray the K. I think they just. You got the feeling from the interviews because I've heard recordings of them that they were just putting up with them. You know, they didn't like them very much, but they—I bet they liked this guy because this guy had a real personality, and I think they did too. They were very quick. There was no way they could always know what the press was going to ask them, and they were not. Elvis was pretty cut and dried. Colonel Parker had him right down the middle. Oh, you know, Mom, uh, America, and apple pie, and all that. The Beatles would just say what well, anything, whatever came to their mind. They just were very funny guys. And, and this they, guy was sort of one of them, you know. He yeah. Was, he was and and, and, and so, again, the know. Beatles may not have been a, a fan of Mr. K of Murray the K, and because the, they would in that uh, song in Sergeant Pepper, it's for the benefit of Mr. K, and that way they were talking about Murray the K. K. Yeah, right. But he, but they needed him because he re really provided lots of publicity for that group. Whether, whether I don't they, think they needed him at all. Well, I I think they did really in a sense uh, in New York City uh, at that time because he was playing music from the Beatles before other stations were. He was playing music from the Stones before anyone else was. He was playing music from Dusty Springfield before other stations were. That was that was that was uh, he saw the big British wave coming in, and he was playing that stuff before they before other stations were. Yeah, and of course he had to feature rate the record. 
and he would do that every night, you know, and people could call in and vote on the new songs, which the other stations weren't giving the people in New York a chance to participate like that. So there was that. But then the ABC got really in with them, too, of course. And, uh, you know, so every station in town would try to, you know, do something to make themselves the Beatles station, or they say they were, even if they weren't. So it was, but, but the Beatles just so quick. They, they, at that time, even, they amazed me, because I'd heard enough interviews with other, of people like Elvis and, you know, uh, just the general stock. And the other person that was very funny was Bobby Goldsboro. If you got him on the air, he was really a funny guy. But a lot of them couldn't do it. That's true. What do you got coming up next, Jeff? Well, this is one that I know Bill's, Bill, Bill, Chris is going to like. Um, yep. It's uh, Bill Mazur, who worked at WNBC, started at NBC when they went to the talk format back in 1964, stayed there a few years, went to WOR AM in New York. Did some work at the old WHN, and he not only could do he do sports, he could interview guests on any subject that that was out there. He was just that good an interviewer. He worked at NBC Monitor. He did the news at ten with sports on Channel Nine in New York. He worked at WFAN. Uh, you know, he just was a very versatile individual. So he did a morning show on WHN when he was really in his what is eighties or so, something I like think. that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I think you'll well. I'm not going to say, I don't know if you'll enjoy it, but it, it is definitely a New York flav, uh, fair or flavored sports show when you listen to this particular segment. Well, next thing you know, we're going to hear Bernie as a talk show host. That's right. That'd be good. You know, Hello again, uh, this is Bill Mazur, area code 212 yeah. Plaza 78866. We're going to take your calls in just one moment. The Don, all right, let's take our first call. Bill Mazur, WNBC. Hello, Mr. Mazur, this is the uh, Jackson Heights Anti-Met Fair. I know you, sir. Now, I've been wanting to talk to you for some time now. What happened? I'm not going to talk about the Mets, of course. How come you couldn't get on? Well, uh, I've been uh, pretty busy uh, with those Yankees, but uh, in any event, the world the series is proving my most accurate contention, Bill. The American League is overwhelmingly stronger than the National League. Now, Baltimore is so far superior to the National League's number one team that uh, if they were in the National League this past season, they would have run away with the flag. Uh, they would have clinched it before Labor Day. And on the other side of the coin, if the Dodgers would have been in the American League, they'd have been lucky to have finished in the first division. And now, you I think... Give you some tell me one thing. You think Sandy Koufax is an under overrated pitcher? I'm not saying Sandy Koufax is overrated, but I will say that if he was an American League pitcher, uh, he'd be below Jim Cott, for one thing. You really think so? Absolutely. Now, no, here's that's... another example. Jim Palmer is only a 15-10 and 10 pitcher with an end run average of... Uh, Worse than three and a half. Well, let me ask you a better question. Yeah. What about the pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, Larry Jaster, who shut the Dodgers out five games to set a new all-time record? You figure he should win at least 30 ball games in the National League, shouldn't he? Well, if he kept pitching against the National League's number one team, uh, which is impossible, uh, but... Uh, he... In other words, all you're telling me is that based on two games, you're ready and willing and able to come to the conclusion that Jim Cat's a better pitcher than Sandy Koufax and the Baltimore. He's in a stronger league, and he has a record comparable to Koufax. Did you feel that the American League was a stronger league last year? I, Excuse me, did you think the American League was a stronger league? Excuse me. Wait a second. Now hold it. Hold the phone. 
Did you think? Did you think? Did you think the American League was a stronger league in '65 when the Dodgers beat Minnesota? Did you think they were a stronger league in '64 when St. Louis beat the Yankees? Do you think they were a stronger league in '63 when the Dodgers beat the Yankees three straight? Or do you think they're just stronger leagues whenever they win the World Series? The World Series winner in itself is not all conclusive. Oh. Well, that's our conclusions I take is by uh, taking individual players and how they perform when they go to the other leagues. Let me just say this to you. If you are ready to tell me that Jim Cat is a better pitcher than Sandy Koufax... Only because he has the pitch in a much stronger league. You know, Jim Cat in the National League... Incidentally, incidentally would you explain to me how come Frank Robinson... Who Frank never Robinson was the best boy. He's 16. He has admitted that uh, he hasn't had this most sensational season. He did better with Cincinnati in his rookie year. He's the MVP with Cincinnati, too. Oh, in other words, he really is, isn't. The American League does uh, not have as many uh, uh, type Frank Robinson batters. I'll give you that. All right, wait a in second. The pitching department, there is no comparison. Every team in the American League, like Kansas City, the third place team, has got five pitches like Larry Jasper, as far as the Dodgers are concerned. All right. You made your point. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Right. Now we have two commercials, and then we'll take another call. Oh, Mr. Bader. Yes, sir. Oh, I'd like to hear uh, about the uh, person who called up just uh, a little while ago. You know, it's just a silly uh, comment to make about uh, uh, about the American League and the National League and about Sandy Colfax, who is uh, really a brilliant pitcher in my estimation and uh, a man who has pitched with a ball club like the Dodgers who never, well, this whole year, haven't been hitting at all, and he's such a great pitcher. So I just can't, I'd like to repudiate that statement uh, that fellow made. I think it's very uh, silly to even argue the point like that. Oh, no, no. I've, I've spoken with him before. Listen, let me tell you something. I have lorded it over the American League on so many occasions that if a guy wants to call up, when I'm at the lowest point, I tell you, when Willie Davis dropped that second fly ball and I heard the four announcers saying, well, that's a tough break, and it really is a tough break, I would like Willie Davis to walk in and say to management, I don't want to get paid for today's game. Then I'll agree, no booing. But since it's a performer, and since when I put on a poor performance, I expect to get booed too. Oh. oh, did you ever, in all your born days, ever see anything like it? No, never really. Well, I think uh, you know when the, in the in the game two today, when Sandy Koufax uh, was pitching, when the person makes a few errors on him, he gets a little you know shaken up and uh, sort of loses a little heart too. But he's a great pitcher, and uh, that thing can do a lot to you know to run to make things go against you. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure. I don't think he got down as much. On the on the two errors, as he got mad at himself later for letting Aparicio get the base hit, see, because uh, uh, Sandy, you know, Davis has made some great catches for Sandy, and I'm sure Sandy probably feels he's helped me out of ball games, yeah. like he hit the uh, two-run homer. The only thing about it is that I think it's human nature, and I think it's it's ridiculous to expect a fan to come there and say to him, "Don't boo," because or "Don't say," because then you're going to a tennis match, you know. Before he's human. I mean, and, uh, you know, he can lose a game now and then, and, and he's, a, he's a brilliant pitcher, though, there's no doubt about it, but uh, uh, he can't uh, win every single game, and some people, every time, uh, if he loses a game, they're always fans that say, well, I told you he wasn't so good. That's right, like they call up and tell you Jim Cat is better. Yeah. Listen, thank you for your call. And first of all, the uh, the uh, series, only two games now, and this other fellow is trying to say, well, <laughs> American League, see that, I told you they're so great, see that if he was in the National League, he wouldn't have done this, and he wouldn't have done that, see this. 
it's so great. The series isn't even over yet. I know. Oh, it's silly, though. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Hello, Bill. Yes, young man. How did you like the series today? Well, I got to tell you something. I'm doing a pretty good job with Alka-Seltzer today. I was a little aggravated. Oh, he was pitching well. I don't think he was pitching as well as I've seen him because he wasn't that overpowering, which, you know, is the understatement because you would have expected him to uh, strike out Echebarren in a situation like that. But uh, what can I tell you? You know, the guy dropped the easiest of, of fly balls on him, and, yeah. and that was all. We, are you surprised by the way the series is going so far? I say that too. You know what impresses me most about Baltimore? What? Their defense so far. Maybe it's just in contrast to how bad the Dodgers have looked in the field. But Baltimore's infield with Robinson and, and Aparicio really looks tough. Oh, made a great play. There's a there's a great example. You just gave me the best example. They when they've had to make the plays, they've made the plays real well. Colfax has had very excellent control today. Oh, and he yeah. had one is very good control. He was hitting the corners. What do you think? You giving up on the Dodgers? No, I I, I saw them do that last year, but I'd, I'd say it's good. Uh, I'd say it's going to go six games. Well, we'll see. Thank you for your call. Okay, bye. Right. Pleasure. Now here's a message from Fuel Facts. I gotta tell you, I had more of the fact that we're out of time. Because today would have been the kind of day I know I would have enjoyed. I know some of you would have been aggravatingly alive to the fact that I picked Baltimore to win it in four. I excuse me, see? Rationale. I picked the Dodgers to win it in four. Listen, you think the night that I saw that in the crystal ball I had the wrong uniforms on? Is it possible I could have seen a B on the uniform and thought it was Brooklyn? That's what it was. I knew one team would know. So I was wrong about that. It's been a perfect year for me. Anybody else you want me to pick? <laughs> oh, my aching back. How can one man pick him so bad? Stay with me. I'll show you. Listen, we'll see you at 7.15 with the latest news. And, of course, uh, in sports, that is, a Joe Garagiola report. This is Bill Mazur. Hello again, everybody. This is Bill Mazur. And if you missed the final score of today's World Series ball game, it was Baltimore 6, Los Angeles nothing. The Orioles are now two games up in this best-of-seven series. And for those of us who were caught holding the Dodger cookie jar only to discover that it had been poisoned, there is only one thing to do. Empty the contents and look for new ones. There are still ball games to be played, and there's a day of rest. Oh, yes, you needn't wipe away a tear. There aren't any more left in me. How did you see what Willie Davis did today? Willie Davis, Willie Davis. I'll sit here and think about you as we both listen to Joe Garagiola. Bill Mazur, good night. It's been a pleasure. Quite interesting. Thank you, Jeff. No, no problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was something. He was you definitely know, he, different. He, he always made time for the kids. It, it, it doesn't happen anymore, and it really didn't happen even that often that back then. But that kid, for all you know, he sounded like he was 11 or 12 years old. That could have been Mike Francesa, for all you know. 
Is what he almost sounded like. And, and do you and, know what? It, when he gave away prizes and he was giving, he would say, "Hey, uh, get this guy, get this kid's name and address. I'll send him a box of candy or something." And he would send it out of his own money, out of his own pocket. Yeah, no, he was very, very nice. You, you just—that's one person we were talking about. People being nice or not nice. Somebody would have to like. I'd be totally shocked if he wasn't one of the nicest people in the world. He just sounded so nice. You know, just absolutely. It would have to be a great act to, to pull that off. But the Orioles did go on to sweep the series, just for those who, who want to know. And most people at that time were thinking the National League was better. And the reason they thought that was more there were more black players in the National League and there were more Latino players in the National League, too. So really, at the time, most people thought the National League was better. So that guy was kind of, uh, you know, uh, beating, a, beating a strange drum. But... Uh, you know, it was an interesting call that they took, and, and he would go back and forth with the callers in, in a very uh, respectful way. Nowadays, you don't get as much respect uh, as, as they did back then. And no. the calls were not screened. They didn't have a producer screening the no. calls back then. So they what you heard, you heard. So, All right, and Bill, let's why move on, is it, Jeff? Oh, we will, Jeff. But why is it when you hear talk shows today, these holes? And I'm not picking on a particular group, but they sound so uh, mad all the time. Any time they fire on their microphone or whatever, it's always like they've got a real attitude or a chip on their... I mean, it draws sincerely. No, you're right. He was just sort of sitting there like watching the trains go by, as Brad Crandall would say, and, oh, my goodness, I picked the Dodgers. What's the matter with me? And just being philosophical about it. But these other guys, this is why he shouldn't be in baseball. You know, you're right. They do these kind of crazy things. Not only even in baseball, just just listen about politics. You know, and why they do that, I don't know. But none of them sound... Nice, and they're overly the whole world generally is, and the whole world generally is angrier. I think, Bill, that's the problem. Is, that's you know, I think that it reflects Sorry. on the radio and on TV and everywhere. And we've got consultants who really tell them how to do the talk show. There's no, there's no, you can be yourself and do a talk show. You got a producer, you've got a program director. You've got a bunch of consultants telling them how to do the show. It's not like it was back in the old days. In the old days, there wasn't a consultant. Bill did the show. He he knew what he wanted to do. And, and and as long as the show could sell it and they could sell commercials on it, which they did, he was yeah. fine. Yeah, he was very popular. He was on for many years on there. They expanded his time. He got on on Saturdays, too. You know, it really expanded into like a whole long. It was only an hour and a half at the oh. beginning. got to be like four to seven, and uh, he did very well with it. Well, yeah, we got to move on, Jeff. You're right. Yep. Um, we're going to go to what's the next one? CKLW. Oh, next one, CKLW. We start. It's a little bit of CKLW with Bill Winters, and then we do. Uh, uh, Char- I'm sorry. We do Bill Winters again at WCBS FM in 1975. This week in my classic air check segment, we're traveling to Detroit, Michigan, and New York City. The radio announcer you're going to hear is Bill Winters. The first air check is Bill Winters at CKLW AM in Detroit, Michigan on August 29th, 1970. Next, you'll get to hear Bill Winters on WCBS FM in New York City in January of 1975. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy these air checks on this week's edition of All Things Radio Live. You ain't no friend of mine. Music, CKLW. The Gate, rapid with your requests on the headlines. 24 hours a day, 10-16 with Bill Winters. Watch 103rd Street Rhythm Man. Do it. Express yourself. Express yourself. Express yourself. That's 
right in there. Express yourself at 1020 at CKLW with Bill Winters. This is your Ancola Underground. Do you realize mothers play an important role in your life? They're the ones who purchase 7-Up the Uncola for the whole family. This is great, but once in a while, mothers being the way they are, may also purchase a six-pack or two of a cola drink. This is not so great. What to do? Well, simply drop subtle hints to your mother in conversation, such as, Mom, did you ever notice how many young, vibrant, beautiful mothers buy nothing but 7-Up at the supermarket? Pretty soon, you'll have nothing but the Uncola in your refrigerator. However, your mother may start spending a lot less time at home. Fireballs and solid gold at 1023 at CKLW with Bill Winters, 923 in Detroit. He asked Tom Crawford of Toronto why he's a Sunoco regular. Well, I, I've been using Sunoco for years and years. And uh, why my reason is this blending idea. I think it's great. That's the main reason for using the product. I find that on this car, the 210 in, in the wintertime, it gives perfectly good results. And I use the 200 in the summertime, in the warmer weather. I think the 210's a little bit better for starting. I think it's very good. I think it should please a lot of people. Uh, particularly people doing the kind of driving I am, which is a great deal of city driving and some country driving. And the car works beautifully under both circumstances. On the 210, rather than the high-test gas. I'm saving uh, two or three cents a gallon on that. But I do a lot of driving, and I make it a point to pick up Sunoco when I'm driving around town. Make your next tank Sunoco. You'll be miles ahead. The Saint makes it his business to get to the bottom of all kinds of trouble anywhere in the world. Thrilling adventure, beautiful women follow the Saint everywhere. See Roger Moore as the Saint coming this fall to Channel 9.
and roll. That is Tea Garden and Van Winkle at 10:36 at CKLW 9:36 in Detroit with Bill Winters. Hey man, you know the stuff on top of your head? I'm talking about your hair. You know it looks real great, except when you put the wrong things on it, like oil, like water, like grease. Yuck! There's got to be a better way, and there is. The people at Gillette have a new thing called the dry look. The dry look. It comes in a can, aerosol that is, and it keeps hair neat, natural, and looking dry. Hey, and guess what else? On top of that can is a valve, like a very special valve. Let you set just the right degree of dry control you want, light or medium or heavy. But you know what? Your hair will still look full and clean and natural and dry. Only the dry look from Gillette gives you three degrees of dry control. Yeah, the wet head is dead. Long live the dry look. Long live the dry look. It's the world's oh. most exciting pop festival. 24 bottles of pop for just a dollar 54. Over 31 fun flavors to choose from at the New Town Club Pop Store on Middle Belt, just south of Eight Mile in Livonia. at CKLW if you want to be happy with Bill Winters, 1040. Back to school supplies, add up. Let's see, you've got uh, pencils, pens, three-ring binder, lunch kit, combination lock, dictionary, stapler, colored marking pens, and a pencil sharpener. That'll be $14.75, please. Ah, take the crayons back. Shop at Revco, where back-to-school supplies add up to less. Because Revco has back-to-school supplies at low, everyday discount prices. Webster's New World Dictionary, the dictionary recommended by leading educators. Webster's New World Dictionary, in a compact hardcover edition. Compare at $1.95. Revco's low, everyday discount price, only $1.19. Carpenters on CKLW. Close to you. The Carpenters, 10:44 at CKLW. It's 9:44 with Bill Winters in Detroit. Friday and Saturday night and Sunday afternoon at Detroit Dragway. The largest funny car race of the season. The 200 mile an hour United States Funny Car Championship. In the past two weeks, funny car drivers all over the country have made a breakthrough. They found the secret and are breaking the 200 mile an hour barrier in ground shaking, earth shattering runs. Every top funny car in the country is on its way to Detroit Dragway. Roger Lindemood and Vicki Harrell. Ducks Headers and Super Cuda, Kelly Chadwick and Connie Coletta, Chris Caramacinis and Arnie Beswick, dozens of funny cars at the 200 mile an hour United States Funny Car Championship. Friday and Saturday night at 8 p.m., Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. at Detroit Dragway, Sibley at Dix. CKLW Weather. Hollywood, the
the chance of showers this afternoon and tonight. Scattered showers likely tomorrow. Today's high 84, low tonight 62, a high tomorrow near 85. Water temperature 73, currently 66 degrees. Fight muscular dystrophy by making it to the Derby Ball on September 12th at the Raleigh House. For tickets, call 884-7725. Slip away. Come on now. Oh, solid soul gold, Clarence Carter. Come on and slip away. That's CKLW. What would I give? Can you slip away now? I want to know, uh, can you slip away somehow, somewhere, somewhere, sometime? All things radio. I don't know she's all right. All right, all right. She's all right. Good morning. It's seven minutes after ten o'clock. Solid gold giveaway time. It's Bill Winters. I'm going to do that thing, too. I've got an ounce of gold right here. Right here in my hand. So the giveaway, and I might do it this hour. Since you're entry in, listen up. Might be calling out your name. Everybody knows everybody's got to be free. Those are the Rascals' 1968 gold on the Bill Winter Show. Solid gold giveaway time, 10-12 at 101 FM. CBS FM. Neons, Angel Face, 10-15. Solid gold giveaway time on the Bill Winter Show. Breaking my heart, but she's not you. Good morning on the Bill Winter Show. It's 1020, solid gold giveaway time. 22 degrees currently in New York City. Got mostly sunny weather today, high in the mid-30s. It'll be clearing uh, kind of cold again tonight, low in the mid-20s. Increasing cloudiness, not as cold on Saturday. With a high, how are you? In the upper 30s. 22 again. Here comes that boogie, Reggie Wolf. Stevie Wonder. Pushing with the impressions this morning. 28 minutes after 10 o'clock on the Bill Winters Show. Solid gold giveaway time. The Sting and American Graffiti. Together, they are better than ever. The Sting, winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, stars Paul Newman, Robert Redford, and Robert Shaw. See it from the beginning. American Graffiti is warm, funny, and poignant. It's a richly entertaining film. By all means, go and enjoy it, says the Daily News. Together, they're better than ever. The Sting and American Graffiti. Now to Universal Flagship Theater. Near you, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. CBS 101 FM. WCBS FM is giving away solid gold. During the month of January, Solid Gold Radio will give away up to 101 ounces of real gold. To enter this contest, mail a card or letter with your name and address to Solid Gold, WCBS FM, 51 West 52nd Street, New York, 119. Cards are selected from the entries by a random drawing, and entrance names are read over the air throughout the day. If you hear your name read, you have 15 minutes to call 
800-242-873-3340 and claim your ounce of solid gold. If an entrant does not call during the required time, that ounce will not be awarded. You must be listening to win. Mail your cards in now to Solid Gold WCBS FM, 51 West 52nd Street in New York, and you could win solid gold from Solid Gold WCBS FM. FM with Sam Cook on the Bill Winters Show. 10.32 now. Oh, oh, we'll fall in love again. Never in a Show at Solid Gold CBS FM. Mostly sunny today, high mid 30s, clear and cold again tonight, low in the mid 20s. 22 degrees and partly cloudy skies in New York right now. CBS FM, 21 before 11 o'clock with Bill Winters. Sammy Smith needs a man. Sammy Smith, meet Frank uh, Frankfurt, you. I wouldn't put my good name on a bad chicken. Tasty young Purdue chicken is available at all international supermarkets. Why not stop in today? Buy some. Thousands of bargains remaining from W&J Sloan's great warehouse sale have been moved to the 14 furniture clearance centers. Everything must move out in one clean sweep sale. Prices even further slashed on $1 million worth of quality merchandise. You'll find countless things you'll need at savings that are almost unbelievable. Thousands of bargains await you at all 14 Sloan furniture clearance centers. Open daily, 9.30 till 9.30. By all means, take advantage of this great sale. Now, 101 FM presents another opportunity to win solid gold. If you hear your name, you have 15 minutes to call 212-873-3340 and claim one ounce of solid gold. The number again is 212-873-3340. If you are Eva Sloan of Jersey City, Eva Sloan of Jersey City, call 212-873-3340 and win one ounce of solid gold. SFM, she's a fool, Leslie Gore. By no means. 17 before 11 o'clock, Bill Winter Showtime, solid gold giveaway time, future gold, Linda Ronstadt. Before 11 o'clock, Bill Winters at 101 FM, A&S famous private sale goes public, and you get unprecedented savings on the most famous names. Listen to this now. This week only, you'll get super savings on a huge closeout of imported area rugs from India. 
find beautiful room size rugs of 100% wool, 100% acrylic, and 100% nylon, all tagged to save you plenty. And for example, handmade 100% wool area rugs from India. In famous Albusan uh, or whatever, or Peking designs, regularly $499, now just $299. Size 8 feet 3 inches by 11 feet 6 inches, plus a sale of 100% acrylic Raya rugs, imported from Denmark, originally $250, on sale at $139. Sizes 8 feet 3 inches by 11 feet 6 inches, in your choice of two smart patterns. Loads more to choose from, this week only, at the A&S nearest you. Come early. Quantities are limited. Don't miss this exciting A&S event. These savings are for you. Wow. What a cool group of air checks. We started things off by listening to radio station CKLW AM with Bill Winters on August 29th, 1970. And then you got to hear Bill Winters on WCBS-FM in January of 1975. Sadly, Bill Winters passed away of pneumonia not long after this air check was recorded. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program, why don't let me know about it by email or voicemail. The email address here is Jeff. That's J-E-F-F Jeff at allthingsradio.net. Or you can call that feedback line at 800-693-0595. That's 800-693-0595. Hitting option two for the podcast team. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. Thank you very much, Jeff. No problem. I, I enjoyed CBS when they first went oldies and back in 1972 in July, and they were still doing it, and they really sounded good then. Not so good anymore. And I like the idea that they tried to introduce some new music in, and they called it Future Gold, and it seemed to fit very well with the format back then. Yeah, and of course that had already been a hit, that song, you know, uh, uh, You're No Good. But, uh, Bill, it's amazing. That guy died later in the year. He sounded so healthy. and he probably Absolutely. Sounded like, he sounded like in the 30s or maybe 40 at the most. He sounded great. Very nice uh, guy. Speaking, Go ahead, Benny. Go ahead, I'm sorry. WCBS, um, the, the air check you played a couple of weeks ago, well, yeah. I just loved the way they mixed the music. It was like 71. Because before they went to the, I guess, the oldies thing. But they they just sounded really good. You know what's funny, Bernie? I like that station, and it didn't do well with that format. And they were, and they said they were going to try to keep that format around as long as they could. So they started it in 69, and it ended in 72. And I really enjoyed that station. Dick oh, Birch, yeah. nice guy. Steve O'Shea worked there. Bill Brown worked there. Just a very nice group of people. I met I met a bunch of the uh, radio announcers there when my friend Keith and I would, would go down to CBS FM and visit, and they were as nice as could be. Very nice people. And I meant to I meant to mention that to you because it just it sounded so good. You know, it really did. Thank you. The, the one thing I would say about time zones: people complain about time zones and changing the clocks. Okay, how would it be, Jeff, if in Albany it was 8 o'clock at night and in Schenectady and Troy it was 7 o'clock at night? I mean, how do people function in the same market going back and forth like they do from Detroit to Windsor and have, oh, now it's 3 o'clock. Oh, I went back to Detroit. Now it's 2 o'clock. Oh, now I'm back in Windsor. It's 3 o'clock. I mean, God, how could you live like that? I'm not Crazy overly happy with the change of the clock, and I will tell you that when it, it affects me for a few days, but, hey, we, we get over it. It's the way it is. It's not going to change, so... I, I didn't realize it was still off at that time. I knew late because I remember Red Sox games like would be an hour later, like Chicago, when Detroit, you know, in the in the sixties. But I thought by seventy that had been settled. But boy, oh boy, what a crazy way to live! Certainly. Well, Bill, I have got to get another uh, my twentieth cup of coffee now. How many have you had today? Jeff? No, I actually, I only had three. So I'm, I'm trying to cut back. Oh, you're trying but. to cut back, yeah. 
<laughs> you believe that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like me right. cutting back on beer. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. There's some things that just don't happen, Jeff. That's true. I'm getting ready to have one right now. Well, that's uh, why I'm working tomorrow, so I'm not going to be drinking tonight. That's but I'll why be rooting for those uh, Yukon Huskies. That's yeah. why in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. That's uh, that's, that's correct. That's well, right. go watch, go watch all the, listen to all the sports you want, and but enjoy some Carolina Shag. And thanks to everyone. For this week of my featured station segment, we're traveling to the world of satellite radio with Sirius XM, and we're going to hear two of my favorite channels. The first channel we're going to hear is Carolina Shag. This is beach and soul music that's heard in the Carolinas. Next, we're going to hear Rockwall. Rockwall is familiar classic rock from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy these two XM radio channels. Summer is here, and it's time for good vibrations. There was this whole thing going on in Southern California. I think Brian had that all figured out. The Beach Boys Channel. Surf's up now for a limited time. Channel 105 and the SXM app. The most historic jukebox on Ocean Boulevard in Myrtle Beach resides at a bar called The Path. That's where we found this classic. And it's on Sirius XM, Carolina Shag. Sirius XM, Carolina Shag.
classic summer sounds from the Carolina Strand. Sirius XM, Carolina Shag. XM Carolina Shag. It's a sure thing. XM Carolina Shag. Smoke on the water. To smoking in the boys' room. Serious XM's Rock Wall.
satellite channels. We started things off by listening to Carolina Shag, Beach and Soul Music from the Carolinas. And we concluded things by listening to Rockwall, classic rock from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program, why don't let me know about it by email or voicemail. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. This concludes another All Things Radio Live. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the latest radio news, interviews, caller questions and comments, station scopes, and more. Visit the show's official website at www.allthingsradio.net and visit the Legend website at legendoldies.com. Join us again next week for another All Things Radio Live on the Worldwide Legend.